0: morning, everyone. Um, So the reading today is 1 Peter chapter 5, um, and it goes like this. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over others entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power for forever and ever. Amen. And then Peter wrote some final greetings. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, Sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ.
1: There's going to be three pictures up on the screen. Uh, I wonder if you can tell me what the link is. So we have uh, Captain America. We have Jacinda Arden, the former uh, New Zealand Prime Minister. And we have Gareth Beale. What is the link between these uh, three people? Go on. Have a guess. What is the link between three? You shouted it out, someone. Oh, we're all struggling. I'll give you the answer then. Uh, they are all leaders. They're all leaders in their uh, different rules. Captain America, leader of the Avengers. Uh, just seen... Th- Jacinda, don't even know if I'm saying that right. She was the leader of New Zealand during COVID, and then Gareth Beale, the former leader of the Welsh football team. These are men and women who have brought together different people with different skills and abilities and personalities, and they have led them. Um, and we live in a time, don't we, now more than ever, when we need good leaders. That's especially true during hard times, isn't it? We need good leaders, leaders to follow. Leaders to learn from, to trust, to be an example to us. And as we come to an end of this wee letter of First Peter that we've been studying for the past uh, two months, it's completely flowing by. He encourages, he ends by encouraging those he is writing to, to follow their leader. Simon Peter says, follow your leader, which means follow Jesus that is the summary of the Christian faith, isn't it? Follow Jesus. Uh, Peter begins this closing section by narrowing in briefly to talk to elders, to talk to the leaders of churches. And then he broadens out. For elders, for leaders to lead well, they must be led themselves by the great shepherd. So that's our uh, structure we're going to look at. Elders follow Jesus, then Christians follow Jesus, and then we will finish by considering how we follow Jesus through suffering to glory. So first, elders follow Jesus, and some of you are probably thinking this, hold on, why on earth should I listen to this? I'm not an elder, why should I care about this? I'm just a kid, or perhaps you're thinking, I'm not even a Christian, why should I care about this, these four verses that are addressed to elders? Well, a few brief considerations, my plea for you not to switch off for this uh, wee section here. Uh, Well, firstly, if you're not a Christian, I suppose this gives you an insight into how different uh, the church is, how different leadership should be in the church. Uh, Another reason, I think often whenever we think about leadership, it can turn out like my iPhone earphones. We can get a bit tangled up whenever we think about leadership in the church because we import uh, leadership principles and ideas from the world. And we get a bit confused and tangled up about what leadership uh, means. It'll also help you recognize future elders, future leaderships, leaders, sorry. And it'll help you understand what elders are called to do in this church. You can hold us accountable. You, you have access here to part of our job description, meaning you can encourage us whenever we are doing uh, what God calls us to to do well. And you can potentially challenge us and say, "I don't think an elder needs to be doing that task. I think you should be focusing more on what God calls elders to do. Regardless, I believe there's principles in this section that are helpful for us all. So here's a question: Who are the elders? Who are the elders then? They are those who set an example to the church. It's helpful if you look down and notice uh, as we begin looking at verse 1. Peter addresses these elders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Peter addresses these elders, giving them instructions. uh, And he would have been very aware that he was going to have to follow these instructions himself, he was going to have to practice what he preached. There's nothing worse, is there, than the boss who demands that you stay late and clocks out early, the captain who demands extra fitness sessions but never bothers to do them, the person who demands everyone be punctual and they are always late. Those who lead in church are to be examples to others. They're to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Peter says that elders are to be examples to the flock. He says that if you look down in verse three, they're to be examples to the flock. So for Peter's readers and for us today, the elders are to be an example of those who follow Jesus in a culture, in a world that is hostile to Christianity. Their lives are to be an example to others and you are very privileged that the lay elders here are an example to you taking annual leave, taking a week's precious holiday to serve at holiday club, to serve at a sports camp. You're blessed to have elders who are great examples to you. Which leads us to our next very obvious point. Elders are to be examples to others, but they're also to be known within the church. Again, if you look at verse one, Peter says, to the elders among you, which means those who lead the church And I know it sounds so obvious to say, but they're not to be like CEOs who are so far removed from the people on the ground who are impacted by their decisions. Elders are to be those who are rubbing shoulders with the people in the congregation, those who are in the trenches with you. Consider, we've said often, haven't we, in 1 Peter, that in Peter's day, they were facing abuse from the outside world. Imagine if the leaders of the church ducked out of the firing line of scrutiny and hostility. Leaders who abandon their post are no leaders at all. So elders are to be known by the people in the church. For how can they be an example to you if you never see them? If you ever see what their life is like, you need to see a leader's life up close and personal for them to be an example to you. Which leads us to what an elder's role is, what their role is specifically within the church. So what do elders do? There's a question that's fun. What do elders do? Well, we see here, they shepherd God's people. They shepherd God's people. Verse two, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. This is a picture that we find throughout the Bible that the leaders of God's people are to be like shepherds to sheep. And a shepherd's rule could be boiled down to two P's, To provide and to protect. To provide and to protect. So they provided the sheep with fresh pasture, land to graze. They provided for the needs of the sheep. They they protected them from harm from wild animals. And they protected the sheep from themselves. Sheeps are not very clever. They wander off and get lost. So elders in the church are to lead by, well, some of the ways an elder can lead is they lead God's people by providing teaching. They provide opportunities for God's people to grow in their faith. They protect God's people from false teaching or harm. And they protect the sheep from wandering away. There's so much more that could be said, of course, but that's just briefly from that one picture of shepherding. Peter uses a helpful term here, doesn't he? About watching over. It's like a blanket term saying that the leaders of the church have a responsibility to be keeping an eye on the people that God has called them to care for. This is what church membership is all about. It's so that the elders know who is here, who calls the Bridge Church their home, who is committed to be part of this family for one day elders, oh good grief, this is terrifying, one day we will stand before the Lord of all creation and give an account for every name who God graciously placed under our care. Hopefully some of you are thinking, who would want to be an elder? What a high and weighty calling this is. Elders need to know the people so they can protect and provide for the people to know where you need protection, where you need provision in your lives, which is why, stating the obvious, there is more than one elder in this church, for it is too great a burden for one person to carry on their own. And Peter says, doesn't he, in verse 3, that this shepherding of God's people is an act of service. As they care for people, they are not doing it from a position of lordship, domineering. They're doing it from a position of servanthood. Elders are to be servant leaders. We've seen that as we've gone through First Peter, this idea of servant leaders. Uh, Peter highlights the heart, the attitude of leadership here. He focuses more on what's going on on the inside than what's going on on the outside of those who lead. He, he tells us what their attitude should be, what an elder's attitude should be. Uh, Verses two to three tell us this. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So two things just to notice here. Elders are to lead willingly and eagerly and not for personal gain. They're to lead willingly and eagerly. Again, such a high bar, isn't it? Elders are to have a willing and an eager attitude as they serve God's people. Let me give you a picture of what it means to serve willingly and eagerly. Imagine you're asked to serve your family by going and getting some ice cream. Now, the way you will do that task, I imagine, will be quickly, joyfully, thankfully, enthusiastically for people will celebrate yes here comes the ice cream server who does not love the ice cream server here's a very different way to serve your family clean the toilet oh bleak how might you do that task reluctantly grumbling miserably miserably is that a word apathetically mooping, um I've been made aware by people I've lived with whenever I do not want to do a task my body language says it all I do this that is what it looks like not to do something willingly or eagerly which means those who lead the church the elders are to be just as eager and willing to do the hardest and the toughest bits of their job as the best bits. Just as eager to write the weekly email as they are to preach the Sunday sermon. Just as eager to lead that small group Bible study as they are to have that hard conversation. Just as willing to hear complaints and cries as they are to hear the cheers. <laughs> Peter writes this and he knows that elders are humans. So he says, you've got to be careful because it would be so easy to use your position of power to your own advantage. They're not to use their position for personal gain. They're not to use it for personal gain. And again, it sounds so obvious to us. Of course, it seems so obvious that elders should not abuse their power. But it can so easily be the case that the church leadership team is a way where you get to do things your own way and influence and shape it for your own devices to lord it over those in your care. Now, especially, think about Peter's time when he first wrote this. It would have been such a high cost to be a leader of a church. So they would have been tempted to be the king, to have a position of power, to gain money, not to be a servant leader. I think this diagram is actually helpful if it comes up on the screen, potentially. This diagram where we have uh, leaders are those who are pulling weight along. They're not (laughs) sitting on top, adding to the weight. I think you can just about see it. That's what a boss does. A leader is down there serving alongside with people. It's so easy in any leadership position to be consumed and think, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to be in the trenches doing the hard stuff. I'm going to let other people do this. And as I've briefly outlined this sort of high standard, this high calling for elders, you think, how on earth can elders serve like this? This is so countercultural to lead in this way. How can they do this? The only way elders can do this is if they follow their leader, if they follow the chief shepherd. We see this in verse four, don't we follow the chief shepherd? When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Of course, it would be easy here to think about the crown of glory, but I think it's more helpful just to consider how Jesus embodies this servant leadership. The son of man who came not to be served, but to serve. The one who was prepared to leave the 99 to go and find the one. The one who provides and protects his people by laying his life down for them. As elders serve, they are to remember that they were once lost and now they're found that they serve the great king and it's a delight rather than a duty. Elders are remember that whilst they serve here for a wee while, they are cared for immensely by the chief shepherd who will provide and protect them for their every need. As you think about that, I think what a privilege it is to serve the king, to, to be his, to serve Jesus by serving his people. So there we are. Elders, follow Jesus, follow your leader. Next, Christians, the congregation, follow Jesus, follow your leader. Now, we've often said, haven't we, Steve helpfully laid out for us, that as Christians, we are to wage war against sin and we're to be eager to do good. So we're in a battle, we're in a battle against sin and we're to be eager to do good and we find out that there is surprising armor for this battle There's surprising armor for this battle. For Peter begins in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Peter says, you're going to war, so get dressed by putting on humility. Put on a characteristic. Don't pick up the sword. Don't put on the helmet. He says, clothe yourselves with humility. Of course, Paul elsewhere talks about the armor of God, but I think it's helpful just to consider here this attitude of humility, this attitude of humility. As Peter says this, he has an image in his mind. For one to be clothed with humility would be to take on the attire of a servant. And we can imagine in Peter's mind, he's thinking of the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed clothing himself for a horrible task, putting on the apron to wash his disciples' feet. The very night he had the right to command, he condescended and served his people. We were talking about this at the dinner table of all places last night. Imagine washing Cheesy twos, like horrible. And the Lord of glory, who flung stars into space, who every knee will bow before on the night he was betrayed, was prepared to take on that position of a servant and wash feet. Christians are to follow their leader and be humble like Jesus. And you will all know humble people. I'm certain of it. For humble people are like radiators. Warmth just oozes out of them. They are so attractive to the world. They draw people in. They embody the message of Jesus to the world. But even as I've said that, we've been talking about making war, and that sounds like a lot of peace talk, doesn't it? You know, humility, warmth, encouragement. This is supposed to be a battle. What use is humility in a battle? Two reasons. Humility allows you to be a follower and it, re- it causes you to recognize your need. Humility recognizes your need. So humility means we can be a follower. We see in verse five, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Peter again comes back to this tricky topic we've looked at a couple of times of submission. So by way of reminder from a few weeks ago, submission is a voluntary act done by a person who is equal in dignity, value, and worth when they obey and follow someone else's authority or leadership. And he tells those who are younger to submit themselves to the leaders of the church. And what will enable those younger people to submit themselves to authority is to be humble. This doesn't mean if you're older, you get away and you don't have to submit to the elders. For Peter, straight away afterwards, says, all of you, So younger people submit all of you then, clothe yourselves, so you don't get away that easily. But why does he make this special point of focusing in on those who are younger? I've done this uh, this past week at camp. I've said to the boys on my team, I'd say, boys, 7.45 is quiet time. You need to be out of your rooms upstairs in time for quiet time. Especially you, Jacob, 7.45 for quiet time. The whole team needed to hear that instruction But Jacob, trust me, especially needed to hear that instruction, for he was always late. So this is why Peter is focusing on those who are younger. He knows that pride, a lack of humility, is one of the problems that younger people face. (laughs) I feel I can definitely say that as someone who is definitely still considered young. For young people, we can so often be like Simba in The Lion King. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Simba and the Lion King, he's reckless, isn't he? He thinks he knows what it takes to be the king. He thinks he has all the answers. He's not teachable. He doesn't listen to instructions or guidance, and he gets himself into all sorts of bother. Simba was not willing to be led or to learn, not willing to trust those in the positions of authority over them, thinking that he knows what is best. I wonder in what ways are you like Simba? Because this isn't just something that young people struggle with. This is something that all people struggle with. We need reminding, don't we, of the proverb that Peter quotes. God opposes the pride, but shows favor to the humble. <laughs> this past week at camp, we've we've gone in opposition to different teams. And there's times whenever we walk across the field and we see the other team and think, easy, Nath Tram's team, no problem whatsoever. But imagine... You're going, you're facing opposition, and God is the opposition. Friends, you do not want to have God opposing you. You need to be humble. Pride will destroy you in this Christian life. Because look, you face an impossible task. If you are proud, God is opposed to you. But with him, you have the greatest help in the world his helping hand behind you, his favor with you in battle. Humility means we can be a follower, trusting that those that God has placed over us knows what's best. And humility also recognizes our need. Humility also recognizes our need. We see this in verse six, don't we? Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, this is a helpful reminder. Peter is using language from the Exodus, that God is the one with the mighty hand and not us. God's the one who brought people out of slavery. We all have those moments, don't we, in life, whenever we are really struggling to do something and then someone comes along with a mighty hand and does it with complete ease. (laughs) That's my father-in-law, Paul Daniel, absolute legend. He is the savior of me when it comes to DIY. I go to do this work and I just can't do it. I'm banging my head against the wardrobe door and it's just in that moment, I'm so aware of my limitations. I'm so aware of how little I can do. And it's so detrimental in those moments whenever I'm aware of my limitations to keep trying to do it all myself. It's good to be reminded of my great need because someone then with a mighty hand comes and helps lifts me up, rescues me from my situation. Friends, we need to remember in whatever situation it is, you cannot do it on your own. I heard this uh, helpful quote this week, surrendered and surrounded we stay grounded. Surrendered and surrounded, we stay grounded. So helpful just to think, surrender to following Jesus. Surround yourself with people who are willing to help and to pray for you, and you will stay rooted, grounded, built up in the Christian life. Ask for help, my friends. That's what Peter says to us next, isn't it? In verse 7, ask for help. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We live in a world that is full of worries, fears, and anxieties. We are in the midst of a battle. And Peter says, in a world like this, you need to know that you don't have to bear that burden yourself. For you're not able to, are you? You're to throw it off. You're to chuck it off. You're to cast it upon the Lord. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And, well, I do this all the time. I cast something off, and then I go straight away and pick it back up again. Keep casting it, keep casting it upon the Lord. Keep throwing those anxieties upon him. And notice with me, notice with me, verse seven. Notice the reason that Peter gives us to cast our anxiety on him. He's just talking about God having a mighty hand, that he's powerful, that he can do anything in the world. He could have said any number of things. Cast your anxieties on him for he cares for you. He cares for you. That's the heart of the Christian faith, isn't it? We have an almighty God who cares so deeply for you. (laughs) And so often we doubt his care, don't we? We doubt that he really cares for us. We feel like he's abandoned us. And whenever that happens, my friends, remember, remember Calvary, remember the cross and look at Jesus dying there for you and think, oh, he definitely cares for me if he's prepared to die for me. Isn't that true whenever you're a parent, whenever a child doesn't tell you something and they say, oh, I, I, think, I don't think you'd care. Oh, a stab in the heart. They think that you wouldn't care. And even feelingly as parents, there are times you think, oh, I, I struggle to care. Sometimes I don't care. That will never happen with the Lord of glory. It will never happen. There will never be a time when you come to him in prayer and he'll say, Too busy. Sorry, cast it upon him, for he cares. We're to follow Jesus, who, on his earthly life, was an example of this, wasn't he? Waking up early to pray, showing he completely depended on his Father for everything. As we go into our last week section here, we see where we're following Jesus too. We're to follow Jesus through suffering to glory. Follow Jesus through suffering to glory. Let me read verses eight and nine. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same sufferings, same kind of sufferings. Peter's reminded his readers a couple of times, to be alert and of sober minded This is the third time that he's done this. Previously, he said, be super-minded and alert to fix your uh, focus on the eternal hope of glory. And the second uh, time he said this is, be focused so that you can pray. This is what will help us fight the, the enemy that we face in the fight of our lives. For we all face a fierce enemy. We see it, don't we? The devil, a personal force of evil, who opposes you in this world. And see how Peter describes him? He is a roaring lion. He's making a lot of racket, a lot of noise. He is seeking someone to devour. He's seeking to intimidate us. And the good news is we're to remember Jesus' incredible dental work. He has defanged the devil, taken away his bite. He can only ever roar. He is completely defeated. Death is done with. Which means for the Christian, you can really fight back. You can say no to evil and do good you can wage war and do good incredible right you don't have to give in in the fight you can persevere and fight and you will win because the lord of glory has defined that devil you can fight and it's interesting to note isn't it how peter says the reason you can stand firm in that in that fight is because you're not alone you're not the only ones in this battle. Isn't that what we do on a Sunday morning? You look around and you remind yourselves that you're not the only one who is following a leader. You're not the only one in this world who has clothed themselves in humility, who are following their leaders. You are not alone. Again, it's so obvious I've been on camp this past week, but uh, the young people were continually saying that their favorite bit of camp is to look around and see that they are not alone. That they are not alone. Is that not what church is on a Sunday morning? As we sing songs to one another, we remind ourselves that we are not alone. That's why we sing loud and proud to remind one another that you're not alone. You're not the only one who believes these things. You're not the only one who's suffering for these things. You are not alone in your suffering. <laughs> All across the world, the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing these same things. You are are not alone, which means we will not be alone when we reach the end of this life's race. Verses 10 to 11, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As we close our time in First Peter, let's consider these incredible words very briefly Let's remember that whilst we are exiles here, one day we will be home. Let's remember that the God of grace, whose great mercy has saved us, his supplies will never run dry. That the one who chose us and called us to be exiles here is the one who will call us home and will make sure we get there. He won't lose one of his own. He will help get them all safely home. That the sufferings that you face in this life do not compare to the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I said it in week one, didn't I? Whenever we read, suffered a little while, in the Northern Irish version, suffered a wee while, your sufferings are for a moment. Eternity, glory, will be worth it. It will last forever forever that the God who's with us will restore, renew us, that this world may fade and pass away, but we who belong to Jesus will not. You are an eternal being, which means everyone you come into contact with is an eternal being, which means you have the incredible opportunity, responsibility to witness to them about this incredible living hope that you have found. How can you be strong, firm, and steadfast in this life? by following your leader. Follow Jesus who entrusted himself to his faithful creator through his suffering, going to the cross for our sake, believing that it would be worth it. We're to follow Jesus who showed us what it means to be clothed in humility, emptied himself, not taking things to his own advantage and became a servant. Follow Jesus, the true and the greater lion who once and for all dealt with sin and death. Follow Jesus for he will lead you safely home. Let me pray.